Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the TSG Podcast. Just a huge disclaimer before we begin that all content produced on this channel is for education and entertainment purposes only. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am thirsty today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a nice segue into the topic that we're talking about. It's, it's been a while, um, and there, there's a lot of new uh, things going on in the market today. But I'm not going to talk too much about current events, uh, just because I've been doing a lot of research in the last, I don't know, a uh, couple weeks or so. And I, I stumbled across this company. And before I introduce the company itself, I, I think that uh, we should look at the industry overall, and it's the soda industry. So you know a thing or two about sodas, right, Sean? I think everyone has has uh, learned about sodas at one point in their lives, yeah? Yep. All right. So sodas, what is your opinion right now about the actual product, maybe the industry, what have you? Um, in the U.S., I would expect it might be in uh some kind of decline because there's a lot of uh anti-sugar sentiment mm. out there mm-hmm. um it could be doing well globally and i know that a lot of soda companies diversify so they'll mm-hmm. they can sell beer or yep. sparkling water or what have you so um yeah that's what i would be looking at in terms of investing in soda but we're consumers of the product right i mean yeah. you and i we both like a soda every once in a while i mean it's refreshing you know we have a visualization that we kind of associate with you know pop uh Mm -hmm. pop beverages right and you know the soda industry has been one of those industries that has been on my to do to research list for a long time right now um especially once i've learned about warren buffett and how he heavily is invested into coca-cola which is the top of the top soda brand out there right now Mm -hmm. and so um a lot of things go on with soda i mean back in the i think it was the 80s or 90s we had the pepsi versus coke type of rivalry going on Mm -hmm. um at least I, i remember the commercials of that uh, I don't know if you remember those commercials where, you know, it was like, what is it? Michael Jackson for Coca-Cola and then um, Paula Abdul for Pepsi, I think, was was the two rival uh, companions. Um, and so soda has been a very interesting just industry in general. Do you have and- a favorite soda? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to be honest with everyone. When I was in middle school, high school. My favorite soda was Mountain Dew. And I think Mountain Dew is owned by PepsiCo, if I'm not mistaken. Is it PepsiCo or is it Coca-Cola? I think so. I think it's PepsiCo. I think it's PepsiCo. So I really like Mountain Dew and I really liked Pepsi. And I guess it was my taste bud. I was young. I love the sugar high. Uh, I love the super, super sweet stuff like Mr. Pibb or Dr. Pepper. Those are those are the brands that I really liked in middle slash high school. And as I was got a little older and we're not talking about much or we're talking about like maybe four or five years into high school early college i started veering away from 
Pepsi brands in general, just because they were just a little too sweet for my taste at the time, mm-hmm. which I thought was very fascinating. I, I, I was like, wow, this is like my all time favorite. And so I started gearing more towards the Sprite, uh, the Coca-Colas um, and, and just weaning off of, of Pepsi products, which I, I don't know why. Again, I don't know why. And the one thing I really liked about the Coca-Cola products uh, was that they, were, they weren't as sweet to, to my taste buds. And so after a couple of years in college, I then just gave up soda in general, just cold mm-hmm. turkey. And I never thought I would be able to do it. Uh, if, if anyone wanted to know, my habit of drinking soda back in high school slash college is that I would go through maybe two, three, or even four two-liter bottles a week a week. So that's what eight liters, eight to 10 liters of just soda in general per week. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was bad because I'm spending what, 10, 20, $30 a week just on soda, depending on, you know, the, the format that you're buying it in, but I'm constantly buying, buying it. And I was like, okay, you know what? I got to save money because I'm a broke college student at the time and I'm spending way too much on fountain drinks. So let me cut it cold Turkey. And so I transitioned away from just the sugary drinks into more of the just club soda and eventually just you know sparkling water or just regular water in general and that that's how i my transition from the soda industry out of it maybe still in it because depending on the water bottle you buy is still owned by pepsico or coca-cola based on my research so i was quite surprised by that um but yeah how about you sean any favorites that that you had Um, I went through kind of a similar thing that you did Mm. when I was a little kid. I remember root beer was my absolute favorite. Um, And I also grew to love Mountain Dew. Mm -hmm. And there was a, there was an Albertsons across the street from my school and they sold like uh, 25 cent sort of knockoff sodas in Mm. a, uh, in a machine out front. And they had a Mountain Dew knockoff called Alpine Mist that I thought was better than Mountain Dew. It was very good. Interesting. Um, And then, so yeah, I came to get older. I also think I got over the intense sweetness of some of the sweets. Mm -hmm. Um, And I eventually got into diet sodas. Mm. And so... um, now you know i have gone through phases where i quit for like a month or a year Mm -hmm. um but i think nowadays i do enjoy a good coke zero i think that's probably my main go-to okay so i want to ask you uh why coke zero um what is it about coke zero that you really like to me it's the best tasting um diet soda okay it tastes mm, i don't know it tastes kind of like a regular soda i can tell the difference but it tastes sometimes you get a diet soda and mm-hmm. especially when you're out and about getting a fountain drink mm-hmm. sometimes you get a diet soda and it tastes very odd and weird mm. um and just like bitter mm. um with coke zero that is a lot less common usually mm. it tastes good regardless of where you get it so because i was just at stater brothers the other day and i saw diet coke and coke zero so 
Which one do you like better? Usually Coke Zero. Coke yeah. Zero? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would it be surprising to you that if I told you that Diet Coke and Coke Zero were the exact same product? The exact same product. Or at least the, the way that I think it is. Again, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Diet Coke and Coke Zero are the exact same product. I would be quite skeptical. Really? Why so? Um, they don't taste the same. I mean, really? they have, uh, they might have very similar ingredients or the same ingredients, and they might have the same nutrition facts. Uh huh. But they're, uh, they taste different. They do? To me, yeah. Because I actually read, I, I've read a lot on the Diet Coke and Coke Zero. And in one of my research, I don't know what it was. I remember reading that the only difference that they made was the can itself. They changed the image of the can because a lot of uh, millennials and Gen Zs don't like the word diet anymore. So instead of saying diet Coke, now they say Coke Zero as a marketing. And so I don't know if that's true or not, because... If you look in in the stores, there are less and less diet drinks nowadays. Now they're gearing more towards Coke Zero. I mean, Pepsi has completely, I think, cut diet out of their marketing. And so now instead of uh, Diet Pepsi, it's Pepsi Zero Calorie, which is amazing. I actually have a can of Pepsi Zero Calorie in my fridge right now just to try it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's it's very, very interesting. so let, let, let me let me bring up the nutrition facts just just so that we're on the same page. Well, here I because... pulled it up. I, I looked it up and uh-huh. there's an MSN article asking are Coke Zero and Diet Coke different? OK, um, there are three ingredients that are different. OK, Coke what is Zero. It? Coke Zero has two ingredients. The Diet Coke lacks potassium citrate and asasulfame okay. potassium. Okay, so preservatives or preservatives um, slash sweeteners, I think it's what it is, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Diet Coke has one gre- ingredient that's not in Coke Zero, citric acid. Oh. So. Huh. So I could be wrong. So why 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 the heck are they using two different brands then? Because um, I thought they were one and the same. Because Diet Coke and Coke Zero to me is the same thing. It's zero calories, zero sweet, uh, zero sugar, processed sugar, uh, but doesn't mean it's zero sweeteners, right? So yeah, I think they improved it, mm-hmm. um, and they may also be changing the mix of the other ingredients as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like Coke Zero does seem a little more syrupy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe having a little more sweetener or something, or a little more, I don't know, a little more sort of like caramelly flavor. Okay. Um, and so my assumption about Coke Zero is that they improved it, not with major changes, but they just tweaked it, probably tested it out on people, and people said, yeah, I like this one better, mm-hmm. and then branded it differently so that mm. people would see would view it as an improvement as a as an upgrade hmm. and also probably I, i'm sure you're right about the word zero mm-hmm. that like the word diet versus the word zero is a huge marketing upgrade mm-hmm. 
that's usually how it is, especially when you're trying to attract people to your product. You know, image plays a role. Visualization plays a role. Uh, we're walking around the shopping aisle and what pops out is what we gravitate towards. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. And so having a big zero uh, in front of your can it, it, it's, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant eye catcher. Uh, to say the least. Now, will it get redundant over time? I think so. And they might have to rebrand or reintroduce the visualization differently, just like with the word diet. Uh, but as of right now, you know, having having zero on the on on the uh, on the uh, what is the visualization of the can it is really really nice. So, but I didn't know. I didn't know that Diet Coke and Coke Zero were that different. And I didn't expect the, the, that they would be different by like three ingredients. So, mm -hmm. hmm. yeah, you might want to um, do more try research them side by side. <laughs> like get, you know, you could try them side by side and, and like get a get something to cleanse your palate in between, like some oh, ginger yeah? or something. Oh, maybe I should, huh? If you really want to go that deep. <laughs> well, I, I'm going in pretty deep because I, I, I never, ever drink diet, diet beverages. Um, just my personal preference. I don't like taking in artificial sweeteners. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of the scientific studies been done uh, on the uh, NCIB um, science website where artificial sweeteners has been correlated, correlated, not the main cause, but it's correlated to raise your blood glycemic levels uh and over an extended period of time you know, we're talking about like 10 15 20 years of constantly drinking this you will uh it is correlated to be one of the causes of diabetes so it, it, are artificial sweeteners good for you Yes and no. In the short term, it's good because you're not ingesting that extra calories from the refined sugar. But at the same time, the long-term effects is it could be bad. We don't know. Uh, again, it's just correlated. It's not a main root cause, but it, it's, it's something that I thought was really interesting when I was doing my extremely brief research on the diet, uh, diet soda uh, phenomenon, so to speak. So mm -hmm. just, uh, just thought that would be interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that before, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I also know of a, a several co co-workers of mine who were drinking diet uh, for 30 plus years and had a lot of health issues later on. Uh, one of my co-workers, I believe, had a stroke or something. Now, is it the main root cause? I don't know. I just know that uh, with that specific co-worker, um, they were drinking uh, quite a bit of diet soda every single day. I think we're like we we're talking about three, four, even five cans a day. So uh, it was pretty bad. I don't know if it's the main root cause. Again, this is huge, just hypothesis speculation right here. So not, not saying that Diet Coke is bad. I'm just saying I don't know. Uh, but there is correlation, at least in the scientific community, that leads to that. And so, you know, I, I tend to always veer on the side of natural sweeteners or just sugar. Just just keep it with sugar. Um now there's a lot of studies that say sugar is extremely addictive and a lot of health issues correlated with that, obviously, but this is not today's episode. So I want to go on a huge <laughs> tangent uh, with the science behind it. But yeah. Anyways, where were we? 
Uh, we're talking about sodas, diet beverages, and diet Coke. So yep. diet, uh, Coke Zero is your favorite. Yeah. Okay. And have you tried Pepsi Zero? I have not. Mm. Usually, um, usually when I drink soda, it would be eating out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of I don't I don't see Pepsi Zero mm. when I'm out. Yeah, places that have Pepsi, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they tend to put Pepsi Zero in like the fountain or yeah on the menu. Mm. Chances are they don't. Coke has a really really strong presence in the market, so mm-hmm. um, it is just astronomically high. So, anyways, uh, gearing away from the specific product itself, you said that you found something that's really interesting about the Coke industry in general, or at least the visual application of the Cokes. And so what was that that you wanted to share with everyone? So there's this marketing document from Mm -hmm. Pepsi that has been kicking around the internet. Um, Mm. I think it was leaked or something. Um, (laughs) It was an unfinished... uh, marketing strategy called the breathtaking design strategy from 2008 Mm. um it was around the time when pepsi transitioned their logo Mm -hmm. they used to have this sort of red and blue yin yang logo yes and then they modified it to make it kind of like an open mouth that's smiling you know Hmm. it looks sort of like satisfied Mm -hmm. Uh, and so in this marketing document i if, for anyone who's curious, I would encourage you to uh, go on your favorite search engine and look up the Pepsi breathtaking design strategy. It is, it's, it's weird. It's, okay. it's like they, they, the way they, what was it called? Pepsi what? Uh, the breathtaking design strategy. Um, it's a PDF. They, uh, how do I describe this? They, they just like go through history. I mean, they have a part that talks about, um, you know, the history of sort of like numerical designs, like Pythagoras creates spatial hierarchies for musical scales, uh-huh. uh, the golden ratio. They, so they have this historical document that has like all these things, Leonardo da Vinci and all these geometrical shapes, the Mobius strip, finally mm-hmm. ending with Pepsi. And it's mm. like, and now we arrive at the new design paradigm of history, which is the, the new Pepsi logo. Wow. Um, it's just like, it, it's, it's, so they, they have probably one of the most interesting sections is this section on gravity where they show on the left, they show um, a star off in the distance and you see they show a line representing the light traveling from the star to the earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, On the right, they show a typical shopping aisle and they show a person looking. There's a line like going from their, the direction where they're looking. And then you see the end of the aisle on the other side. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so these are two columns, right? The path of a star to the earth is on the left and the shopping aisle is on the right. So then on the left, we see the path of a star's light with a gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. And we see like another larger star sort of bending the light, like a gravitational lensing effect. And then on the right, we see the person looking down the aisle 
and we see the gravitational pull of Pepsi. Hmm. There's Pepsi on the side of the aisle and it's sort of bending the person's view. Okay. <laughs> toward it. And then you see like it's um it's I'm trying to see if we're looking at the same document, but I, I, I don't I don't see the aisles. What I'm describing is near the bottom. That's like the second oh, from the bottom. Second, second from, from, the, from bottom. the last page. Okay. Um, ah, I see it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to describe this document, but it's it's so hard to describe. It's an absurd document. It's like it's the the hubris of like putting Pepsi in this state of universal importance. Like it's it's one of the most important visual design moments in the history of design. That's one page. It's uh-huh. like uh they on the final page they show like the Pepsi universe. Uh-huh. Like the expansion of the universe and then the expansion of the Pepsi universe. It's just so strange and over the top. It's almost like so is, almost like a joke. Is 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 this an actual like official documentation of from Pepsi that they are creating that was leaked? Or is this like like you said, a joke doc? Because I'm seeing a lot of science, I'm seeing a lot of of you know just architectural works in here I'm, I'm seeing a lot of like feng shui golden ratio <laughs> i'm seeing i'm seeing a lot of this now i don't get me wrong you know uh art science mathematics all that is interconnected in some shape way or form and if you look at a lot of you know uh art in general you can you can actually extrapolate math out of it and that and that's the whole reason uh for or at least in some theories, why we perceive art to be extremely beautiful or extremely uh, eye-catching. Uh, we already kind of already uh, broken down music in that way. If you look at all the pop songs, I mean, there was a YouTube channel that looked at all the pop songs within the last century and broke it down uh, based on its rhythmic patterns, on its mathematic and tonality, harmonics and all of that. And so this doesn't surprise me that someone would go to this extreme to break down a design logo that could be eye-catching to the human eye. Yep. But yeah. is this real? <laughs> That's what it I'm is trying. so so it, it is it is real. This is a this is a um it was created by a group called Arnell Group. Mm-hmm. And this was an advertising agency that Pepsi was working with. Okay. So yeah, this is a real document. Wow. That is very interesting. Okay. So what is the thing that you took away from this document then? Because I'm skimming through it right now. It's a lot of math. It's a lot of science. It's a lot of just ratios that I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, what, what, is the, what is the simplified message that you're getting for this document? Because I'm getting one. Well, um, I'll say two things. I mean, okay. one, it's just funny. Um, like you know in the middle of it they they take all these old pepsi logos and just kind of draw circles on them to sort of like convert them into epicycles okay they abstract the circles away and just end up with like bundles of circles for every different (laughs) historical pepsi logo um it's it's like it's pretty funny okay Uh, but yeah the other thing i would take away from it is like you're saying the, the length they will go to to try and create something that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and soda, the history of soda advertising has 
has pioneered in advertising in terms of figuring out how to resonate with people and make Mm -hmm. them feel good because ultimately it is the problem of Pepsi versus Coke is a marketing problem. How do you get people to reach for one versus the other? Mm -hmm. They're both good. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there, there is a whole question of the flavor. A lot of people do have a sense of the differences in flavor and they actually choose one over the other for the flavor. Oh, and sometimes they can be extremely adamant about it. Like even, even a slightest, slightest change, or we're talking about like a gram of sugar taken away. People can tell and and they will write letters, nasty letters to Pepsi or Coca-Cola saying, Hey, we want our old product back. Why did you change it? You know, I've heard, I've seen like YouTube videos and just stories of, of, of that stuff. So it's crazy how, how sensitive the taste bud is, right? Yeah, I recently found out there's a huge controversy around mm-hmm. the Coca-Cola freestyle machine. Mm. Have you heard of these machines? Well, they I... are. It's it's a it's a Coke fountain machine. Okay. It's made in this a pretty cool sort of 1950s style. Okay. With a screen on it, uh-huh. and you can choose what coca-cola products you want they've got all kinds of coke products oh so you just push it. it's like a touch screen and there's like 50 products that you just pick yep and, yeah, and you can add uh-huh. cherry flavor yeah you know so there's probably like 500 different possibilities on there wow um but people online there's a ton of people complaining about them because they don't get the flavors right supposedly huh. weird um huh. so yeah people are definitely very adamant and an interesting thing from the the soda wars back in the day was the Pepsi challenge mm. where you, you know, you go out into public and you set up a table and you say, you're going to taste test these two sodas and tell us which one you like better. Mm-hmm. And people will have like a small sip of each one. Mm-hmm. And they tend to choose Pepsi mm. because Pepsi is sweeter. And if you're just going to have one sip, the sweeter one tastes better. Right. Mm. I think the, the when people go for the less sweet one i think that part of that has to do with the fact that you're going to be drinking like 16 ounces of it or whatever 12 mm. ounces of it. so it's like you have to endure all that sweetness you know but if you're just going to take a sip it's like oh this one's better because it's sweeter mm-hmm. and so they made commercials out of this they made a big deal out of this that people choose pepsi when mm. you do a blind taste test um that doesn't actually surprise me like you said people you know if if they know that they're not going to drink a whole entire can then the sweeter one at least biologically speaking and and just thinking from an evolutionary perspective and this is where i'm going to bring in my science hypothesis here uh so forgive me everyone if if this is something that is uh doesn't make any sense but we're, we're we are designed at least programmed to survive right and so anytime that our taste buds or our sensory um neurons sens- sensor neurons are in contact with something that could potentially be helpful in our survivability we tend to like a lot more just like super sweet fruit or sweet drinks or something that tastes very good and in the short term it's going to help improve our survivability our body doesn't really know that we are in a world of abundance where you know uh as at least in the united states if you're uh if you're at a mcdonald's or something you can eat your fill uh, to survive for that meal right 
And so, uh, but when we are tasting stuff, anything that's really nicely sweet and has a pleasant taste, we tend to just like more in that short bursts of time. Going back to what I took away from this document right here is that one, and now I have two thoughts. One, they're spending an enormous amounts of money to work on logos in general, just logos. Yep. And as you said, it's eye-catching. It's something that people see. And it, it's just, it, it's something that will take attention away. And, and that's the key thing is the attention span. How long can you hold a person's attention span? This goes into marketing. This goes into philosophy, uh, psychology even, etc. And the red, the red color. And I, I, I can't recall where I've, I read this, but the red color is actually designed to be inputted into the logo itself just because our bodies, our eyes, are drawn to anything that's brightly red. That's why Coca-Cola was the color red, right? And if you were out in the wilderness, and this goes back to, again, evolutionary, anything that's bright red, chances are it could be a danger sign. It could be a fruit like an apple or a strawberry is something that pops out so that when you walk past it, your eye is, uh, is going to go towards that direction. And so this is a brilliant play in psychology, human psychology and, and, and survival instincts in general, uh, just having the red inside the logo. Now, uh, for Pepsi, they can't do the whole thing red because then that I think it's like an infringement on Coca-Cola design because Coca-Cola already did the all red. So they had to have a contrasting color, blue and red, uh, mixed in with it. So I think, again, I'm, I'm totally speculating here, uh, but I think that for Pepsi to distinguish itself away from Coca-Cola, it had to incorporate blue into their logo rather than keep it maintaining all red. So, yep, they want people to see the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, it's a blue can. It's Pepsi. Oh, it's a red can. It's Coca-Cola. So, and generally, blue and red is is a very calming, uh, or is a very eye catching color. Again, a lot of fruits in in the natural world is the color blue too. So, uh, or at least a darker shade of of color than green. So, anyways, with that being said, uh, so going back to my idea that or my takeaway of this document is that you know they're spending a huge, huge amounts of money and time designing their logo now to be honest i was quite quite upset when pepsi changed their logo to be honest i really like the old design where it had it had the word pepsi uh, in it rather than this bla- big blue red ball um but that that that's the way it is so whatever i i remember being upset by by their design change but that i came to accept that over time so so yeah, that document was really, really interesting. And the next takeaway that I had from that document, there is an interconnectedness with just concepts in general. And sometimes we don't even see it as being part of the investing world because you know if you look at this, this is all mathematics and all, uh, what is it? Uh, architectural ratios and all of that. And so what, what really was intriguing to me was that, you know, these theories that we actually learn in academia, we learn in school, depending on, you know, graphics design courses or whatnot, plays a role in marketing, which plays a role in investing knowledge. And I think this really correlates with our podcast title, which is the Surrounding Game Investing Podcast, where 
you know, we play these little tiny moves or we learn about these little tiny concepts that eventually fits into the bigger puzzle or into the bigger picture and pretty much builds that brand through uh, investment ideas. And so I thought that was really interesting that you you found this document. I, I actually didn't know that this document existed until you mentioned it. And so um, I thought that that was really well correlated with our uh, podcast title. So thank you for that, Sean. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> so anyways, and so going to the idea of this whole entire episode, why this happened. And I, I want to share with everyone because uh, I, over the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking up of different strategies, at least investment strategies that I'm trying to execute right now. And one of the thoughts I had was that if I had a limited amount of uh, sums of money, which I, uh, you know, for most of us, we do, uh, we only have, you know, a couple hundred to a couple thousand dollars to invest in currently um, due to savings and whatever. Um, What can a person do right now that's, or what companies can they invest in? I mean, if you're looking at Warren Buffett, you're looking at Charlie Munger, if you're looking at the big names out there, um, a lot of times they're investing in companies that are generally very safe, very conservative. They do well over the extreme long term, and which is fine. But the growth aspect, at least for a lot of those companies, are very slow, right? And when they invest in the company, they're investing you know a couple quarters, or they're researching it a couple quarters before they actually invest in it. So by the time you hear about it, it's like, okay, well, has the growth already happened yet or not? Or what is it that I can do in the meantime that can catch up with them? And so the reason why I started looking into the sodas was because my theory, and this is just a theory, I don't know if this is true or not, was very similar to your uh, to the idea of Bitcoin. And I actually took the inspiration from what happened in Bitcoin, which was Bitcoin was a, a, a very small idea. No one knew about it, right? Back in 2008, 2009, when it was first conceived, no one knew about it. It it was incredibly unpopular. No one talked about it. And, you know, the first Bitcoin transaction was what, you know, 47 Bitcoin for a pizza or something. Or I I forgot the the number that someone, do you remember the number that Uh, it was 10,000 for two pizzas? 10,000 for two pizzas. (laughs) So someone someone exchanged 10,000 Bitcoins for two pizzas. Man, they must have been butthurt by now <laughs> well they have the they have plenty more where that came from oh I mean, okay so, so not, i think not, they're not. doing pretty good mm. they i think the same person who did the pizza thing also was the first person to mine bitcoin with gpus ah so oh that's amazing yeah so it was the idea that it's something that's unpopular something very small and it kind of reminded me of how amazon first started because amazon uh, when they first started, they, they were nothing. They were just an online bookstore, right? And it was very, it was kind of unpopular back then. People were like, you know, who's going to shop for books online when they can go to a Borders or Barnes & Noble? I think Borders is now bankrupt. Uh, for those of you who uh, like bookstores. Um, but it, it, at the time, it was huge anti-sentiment and all of that. Not anti-sentiment, but it, it's, it's like, uh, what, do, what do I call it? People thought it was very unpopular. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm looking for a good opportunity to invest in today, while the market's going down, yes, there's a lot of industries that's been hurt pretty badly by the you know supply strain, 
constraints and the uh, COVID policies, quarantine, et cetera. But if we're really looking at an investment standpoint and we're looking for a opportunistic potential, what companies would give us our 10X to 100X to 1,000X, so to speak, right? I mean, if you invested in Amazon back in the day, back in 1996 or 1997, when it was first when it first came on the market, it was what a couple like a dollar to eighty cents a share or something like that. And now today, Mm -hmm. it's worth how much? So that's one thousand x your money. Um, Now, disregarding inflation, of course, but it's still a good chunk of increase in your money. And so I was like, okay, well. What about if we look at companies that are extremely tiny right now? We're talking about microcap companies. Now, with microcap companies, one, they're most, most of those companies are in the gutter, or two, they just came onto the market and haven't had a huge presence in the market just yet. Okay. So financial data is out the door because they most likely won't have much financial data, if not good financial data. Uh, but if you're able to find a diamond in the rough, you might have something. And, and that's the whole idea basis of my theory, which is, okay, well, why don't we look at microcap companies? Because not a lot of people are looking at them right now. Uh, they're extremely small, um, but chances are they're going to be at an affordable price. And so I'm just shopping right there. And I came, the first company I came across that I actually understood was a soda pop company. And this soda pop company has been around since 2007, when they first started. Okay, so I believe it was 2007, they first started in California. And the idea of this company, and this is their business model, at least to the way I understand it, is diet drinks suck, artificial sweeteners suck. So we're going to build a company and our brand is natural sweetener and soda. That's their brand. It's a natural sweetened soda, right? Without sugars, without calories or at least listed calories. And Mm -hmm. so the company that I stumbled across, and this is just window shopping, okay? I'd never heard of this brand before. And this is just me window shopping, is the brand Zevia. Now, some of you guys might have heard about it. It's zero calorie soda, naturally flavored. Their ingredients, and I'm looking at one right here. I have the cherry cola in my hand. I actually purchased it to try it out to see if this is something that I can see myself actually investing in or purchasing as a product. Their their ingredients, carbonated water, stevia leaf extract. So they use the stevia uh, compound uh, in their plant to make it sweet. Tartaric acid, natural flavor, citric acid, and caffeine. That is the only ingredients. So there's no like aspartame or phenylalanine. There's no, none of these chemical caramel coloring, uh, sweeteners and all of their sodas are crystal clear. So there is no coloring in their sodas. So you know how Coca-Cola, uh, Mountain Dew, Sunkiss, they're all like artificially colored. Well, sodas, if you make them from, you know, the actual essential oils and from the main ingredients, they're actually crystal clear. And they add coloring to their product. So I became very interested in this company. Now, this company just went public last year, 2020, 2020, 2021, 2021. 
And so they have been one year on the market. Their initial public offering was, I think, $14 a share. And now they are trading at roughly around $357. The last time I checked, it could be different right now. Um, but it's incredibly hit right now. But the funny thing is, when you look at their product, and you go to the markets, at least the markets I've been going to, if you look at the marketplace, most marketplace do not hold generic sodas. And if you're looking at Zevia as like the generic RC Cola type of generic type of soda, you would think that this soda brand would not be in these marketplaces. And so what I found really interesting was that out of all the markets I went to, and it's about four or five of them, all the big box retailers Okay, we're talking about Vaughn's, we're talking about Albertsons, Ralph's, Whole Foods, we're talking about Sprouts, especially Sprouts, we're talking about Stater Brothers, they all carry Zevia. And it's it's occupying a, a good sizable shelf. And as you guys know, in retail, especially in these marketplaces, the shelf is is money, right? If you can have shelf space in Ralph's, for instance, or in Costco. That is money. And people, companies will pay for that spot on that shelf. So Zevia being found in all these big box retailer, not big box, but these retailer or local retailer that I'm currently shopping around is saying a lot. And I also did some research. Costco in some stores actually carried Zevia as a 12, 16 pack in Costco. And I think it was a trial period or whatnot, but for them to even get a, a, a spot in Costco, that, that said a lot too, because this is something that Costco is trying to test out, whether it's successful or not. I couldn't find data for that. I don't see it in my current Costco, so it probably didn't work, but it, it's something where they are spreading out quite big. And again, they just went public this past year. But they've been around since 2007. So they have been slowly growing. And also on Amazon, at least based on the data that was provided, they were number one in the health soda category. So people on Amazon, 34,000 reviews, four and a half star rating. However, many of those ratings are actually true ratings. I don't know. But on Amazon, people are loving this product. And this is a product that I haven't heard about until the last couple of weeks. And so is this a brand that could potentially be disrupting the market? Well, right now we have, we have Coca-Cola, we have Pepsi, which is the main Kings in the market right now. And they are also providing their diet or sugar-free or stevia version of their own soda. And so as a value investor, the question that comes to my mind is, does Zevia, this upcoming brand, do they have a competitive advantage against these big box retailers? And Sean, insight, input any insight that you have right now, because I'm, I'm in this, in this uh, what do I call it? I'm trying to figure this company out right now. Um, so my first thought, my biggest thought is that, uh, their main competitor, uh, actually has not been mentioned yet. 
and that would be the unsweetened soda drinks mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. LaCroix and you know, sometimes I call them mm-hmm. millennial water. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's, <laughs> Sorry, I should have um, mentioned LaCroix because that was also in the research document that I wrote in. But continue on. I'll, I'll explain more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you drink a LaCroix or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of giving you the experience of a soda. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have the sweet flavor. No, they and don't add. Uh, I think in my... If they I remember in, the ingredients listed, they have natural flavoring, but they yeah. don't have sweeteners in it. So it's pretty much like essence of water. Yeah, they put in like yeah, citric yeah. acid and stuff to give it like some tang or yeah. something. Yeah. But it's not like there's no sugar, there's no artificial sweetener. Yep. Or stevia or natural sweeteners or anything. Mm-hmm. Now, another thought I was having is. I would be interested to do some more research on stevia. Mm-hmm. Um, the naturalness of it mm-hmm. is to me kind of a, just a random fact about it. Mm-hmm. I would still call it like an artificial sweetener that happens to come from plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be interested in what kind of studies have and have not been done because i know uh aspartame and some of the other artificial sweeteners have Mm -hmm. been studied to death yes um you know there's like mm -hmm. a lot of people were concerned about cancer so they've done a bajillion studies about aspartame and cancer um with stevia i wonder if there's fewer studies well stevia is an up-and-coming trend i mean back in 1991 the fda did ban stevia just because the overall sentiment of artificial sweeteners back in the day was cancer ridden Mm -hmm. so they did ban stevia way back when just recently the fda has approved stevia as being a safe alternative now i've what i've read a lot of other websites are they credible or not i don't know Mm-hmm. They could be opinionated article. I couldn't find any references uh, for their opinions on, on their website, but you know they they listed themselves as MD or whatnot. But they do say that you know stevia in high consumption is a health hazard. Well, anything in high consumption is going to be a health hazard, in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, when they said that, I I was looking for more data, but they couldn't provide any more data, at least based on the website that I looked into. Now, in terms of the scientific community. I've looked into briefly into the science journals and all of that, and I haven't found a huge negative for stevia because it is a natural compound. It's a glycosidic compound that comes from the stevia plant itself. Now, are they extracting it directly from the leaf? Now, that, that's a whole nother issue, right? And based on this company, which is a B Corp, you know, uh, I think in Delaware, they register themselves as a health companies something like that i forgot what the actual abbreviation was but they are listed as a very uh what do i call it not healthy but it, it it's they're they're basing it on a lot of strict guidelines so they won't produce this product unless it passes all the regulations mm-hmm. uh, health regulations and all that so they're very strict about that for this company and what i'm finding at least with stevia and stevia products, is that it depends on where you're getting your stevia. Now, stevia in the raw, stevia liquid extract, stevia powder, whatever it might be, there's different manufacturing practices, okay? 
And uh, for anyone who's taken organic chemistry to extract any of these compounds out of, you know, out of these organic areas or organic uh, plants, you're going to have to use some chemicals to extract it out. I mean, when I'm teaching uh, my students how to extract caffeine out of tea, we're using uh, these different types of compounds that you know, you aren't necessarily a compound that you want to be around with for an extended period of time. And so it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a very interesting way to extract these compounds. So if they're gathering it from the leaf itself, where they're crushing the leaf and they're drying it, and then the white powder that comes out of it is stevia, then that is a very, very safe way to, at least in my opinion, to, to ingest uh, the stevia plant. I mean, I used to grow stevia as an herb. Um, I, I just saw it in, in the market or in the uh, nursery one day and I was like, oh, stevia. I tried uh, uh, eating the leaf and it was actually tasty. So I, I bought the stevia plant. And so, uh, you know, it, it is naturally sweet and not going to lie. But, you know, it really depends on the, on the practicing. And a lot of the stevia and the raw liquid stevia depending on the company, we don't know what their practice is when extracting the stevia plant. So that's as much as I know, at least based on your question of is stevia safe? It really depends. I, I don't know the manufacturing behind stevia. And that that's mm-hmm. something that I am not well versed in just yet. So yeah, and I think to some extent, like humanity doesn't know. Yeah. Like when when compared to uh these other uh artificial sweeteners mm-hmm. i think because more science has been done mm-hmm. there's more knowledge about it yeah um on wikipedia it says that high purity stevia glycoside extracts mm-hmm. have been generally recognized as safe yep. that's a that's the de- the fda's designation yep um, they have not given that designation to stevia leaves and Mm-mm. crude extracts Mm-mm. yep because there's a lot of other compounds that comes with that. And yeah. so they don't know if it's safe or not. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, we're only looking at one compound, like one molecule. And we can study that molecule just like with any uh, antibiotics, any medication that's on the market. We can study that one molecule. But if you're trying to extract it from an organic living thing, there's going to be other compounds that plays a role in your biochemical processes. And this is something that is always a fuzzy area, at least when you're studying the effects on a human body. So in general, Zevia, I'm trying it out right now. I've tried out four different flavors of Zevia products. I've tried their regular cola. I've tried their lemon lime twist. I've also tried their orange. And currently I am drinking their cherry cola. My opinion and again, I'm, I'm not promoting Zevia at all. I'm just very interested in, in how they're building their brand, their reputation. And I'm very interested in where they could potentially go from here. But as a product itself, in comparison to what I've had in the past of Coca-Cola, Pepsi, LaCroix, um, you know, uh, sugar water, uh, water enhancers, you know, I I've done, you know, just club soda with those, you know, water enhancer syrups from Mio and from all the other brands. I have to say Zevia 
is in between all of them, right? It's not the best and it's not the worst. So in terms of flavor, I can see why someone can get addicted to it. But if you don't like the stevia aftertaste, and there is an aftertaste, if you don't like that lingering sweetness on your tongue, this won't be attractive for the average consumer. Now, if you're health conscious, which is the trend that we're seeing in the United States, at least Western culture right now, if you're extremely health conscious and you're trying to cut sugar, refined sugar, and I, I want to emphasize refined sugar from your diet because it's adding the excess calories to your main caloric intake, this might be a good brand because they are branding themselves as being a very healthy alternative. They have kids line, they have the adult line, they have energy line, whatever you call it, they have it. And it might be something that the millennials slash Gen Z are interested in purchasing. I mean, a lot of people already have an image of what Coca-Cola and Pepsi is, of Nestle. They already have an image in their mind. And it's a huge corporate image, at least from what I'm reading on the interwebs. And so Zevia, people don't have an image of Zevia yet. It's a very blank canvas for a lot of people. And so if they do their marketing correctly, I feel, they might be able to attract those new wave of generation generational customers. And they might give it to their children as a healthy alternative to regular soda or sugary drinks, right? I know that the CEO uh, has stated in one of his interviews that he's cut out all sugar from his household and Zevia is what their children will drink and they like it. And so we're seeing this trend, at least in schools where parents are becoming more health conscious, at least in the United States. Again, it's a huge extrapolation. It's a huge speculation. This, this company has only been public for one year, so there's not much data going around. But their revenues, their sales over the past couple of years, at least based on Amazon reports and, and all of that, has slowly been increasing. Or it has been increasing. In, 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 uh, during COVID, it actually spiked uh, with, um, with health, health, health food beverages. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with COVID, I wonder if it spiked because um, people are actually choosing what they're going to be drinking at home versus yes. like a lot of people would go to lunch, mm-hmm. get a soda with lunch, you know, yep. while they were at work or whatever. So once you're staying at home, it's like, I want some soda mm-hmm. and they would go pick Stevia. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's, it could take a while. I think there's perhaps like a generational shift mm-hmm. away from, sugar and sugary sodas yep but i can totally see like you were talking about with the ceo and his kids Mm -hmm. they do not have this deep history of like you know having drink a bunch of mountain dew in their teens like like Mm -hmm. we did Mm -hmm. so for them it's like do they want a Lacroix or a zevia Mm -hmm. you know those would be their their soda choices that their parents are giving them Mm -hmm. if there's more of that then a lot of people are going to pick the sweet one yeah in, in most cases, you know, most children will probably pick the sweeter one. They won't pick the watered down stuff. I like the watered down stuff. Uh, this cherry cola is taking me a while to finish, to be honest, uh, because I, I don't really drink too many sweets as I used to. Um, I'm drinking like just regular coffee and, and, and tea mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sweet stuff, especially for a child that hasn't had soda before. 
or yeah. are, is very limited experience with soda. If you were to introduce this to, to, to you know, uh, elementary school uh, audience, it might work. And, you know, the, it might be something that parents are going to purchase more so. Price point wise, it's actually very competitive um, per ounce. I think it's in mid tier. It's not the most expensive and it's not the cheapest. It is right in between uh, the two. And so for a parent who is raising their kid and wanting them to be more healthy, I could see this as being a very competitive, attractive alternative, especially when they're saying natural sweeteners and everything. Now, the one thing that I will comment is that I this product right here, Zevia, I'm showing it to the camera right here. The Zevia product itself was never eye-catching. And this is something that my wife has actually said uh, when she was trying it with me uh, a week ago was that, you know, we've never realized that Zevia was in the marketplace. And it, uh, it, but if honestly, you know, the, the logo itself is not eye catching. It, it's, it's not as cool or as crisp as the matte finish of Coke zero. I mean, when you look at Coke zero, it's a cool look, right? When you look at Pepsi zero, it's like a black can and, and it's like, you know, night mode uh, for, 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 soda drinks. But if you look at Zevia, I mean, it's, 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 it's an okay look. In my opinion, it checks more of the kid range rather than adult. And so, you know, is this something that they should be uh, reinventing? I don't know because, you know, talking about logos, you know, the logo is what's eye catching. And I never noticed Zevia in the stores and it's been in the stores for a while now. Um, But Every time I come across it, I ne- my eye never focuses on it. And so, and they're right across. And the thing is, in, in the local state of Rose, this Zevia product is right across from Coca-Cola Zero. Like the aisle. It's, it's mm-hmm. on the right side is Coke Zero. On the left side is Zevia. And I've That's never, ever looked at Zevia. You know, I think I'm looking at this can and a couple things I would say is, Number one, there's actually been uh, some articles kicking around the internet recently about how a lot of brands Mm -hmm. have changed their logos. They'll have a logo that has their the name of the brand in a special font. Okay. A lot of them have recently been transitioning to very similar fonts. Mm. They're sans serif fonts (laughs) that are crisp and clear. Yep. And look good on the screen. Yep. And when I look at the Zevia logo, it's a little weird to read. Yes. It's a little, if you see that in the store, it's kind of like, what word is that? You know, yeah. the E and the V look kind of weird. A lot in the A, like yeah. it all looks kind of odd. If you um, transitioned to a different font, um, well, the, you, I think I think you could improve on that. And then also some of the colors I wonder about. I mean, have like a tiny bit of dullness. Yeah, it, it's pretty dull. I mean, I'm looking at the cherry cola and it reminds me of Christmas because of just the green, red and blue. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it, it's like Christmas. Um, is that a time that I want to be drinking soda? Not necessarily. I, I generally want to drink cider. Uh, hot cider mold wine or something during christmas time but you know it, it's 
it's very retro the look uh it, it's very old school I, I would say um this is something that i remember seeing back in the 90s at least this style of pop can i don't know I, am i incorrect saying that i mean i remember at Maybe. least pepsi cherry pepsi being very similar looking to this i can kind of see the similarities and and a soda brand might want to invoke that mm-hmm. um and i can also see how they would do red and green so the the mm-hmm. words are red yes which is evocative like you talked about before red is a good marketing color to just try and get people's attention mm-hmm. um the oh, above the letter i there's two leaves sprouting out which, which is drawn, stevia talking about the, yeah. the naturalness yes. of the thing so um that's not bad i do each flavor then has its own color yeah and so now we're going to have this sort of three color thing we got bright red bright green and a third bright color as the background it may be purple blue orange but it's like Mm -hmm. there's a certain um color inconsistency like you may want to i would consider making the label making the the uh logo and the can sync up their colors and then maybe have a small bit of color Mm-hmm. that displays the flavor you know instead of having the entire can be blue for that flavor have like a part of it be blue the part that says the flavor yeah. you know and no, then the I... rest of the can would be like consistent with the logo and choose that color carefully like maybe make the whole can bright red mm-hmm. and then that would give it more of its own identity you know yeah yeah, I, I I'm not too fond of the logo color itself. So now that can change, and that's yeah, something. Yeah. That if it's not working out, I wouldn't be surprised if within the next few years they changed it. Well, know? honestly, when I'm looking back at the videos from ten years ago, and I go into a lot of research when I'm looking at this stuff, um, their can looks to be very similar. Again, the video quality back then was like 480p, so I can't really tell very well. But it, 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 the the coloring looks extremely similar as it was back then. So I don't think they've put a lot of funding, at least yeah, just from look wise into their logo. And this might be a key reason why their sales hasn't exponentially screwed up. Now, with that being said, once people tried this brand. Uh, I've heard, at least in their conference call and annual report, I've heard that there are a huge loyalty uh, retention rate with this brand, which caught my eye. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, hey, is this going to be a company that will explode? Right now, no one knows about it. I didn't even know about it. And selling for around three something a share, uh, I think market cap right now is less than $150 million. So it's a very tiny company compared to Coca-Cola, which is like a couple billion, hundred billion, you know, dollar company, you know, hundred million is, is not that big. And they have their own production manufacturing facility. They have one production manufacturing facility and a lot of their sales are online. So there's still a lot of questions to be asked, to be answered. Mm-hmm. But my initial thought 
especially when analyzing any company is one, uh, do I understand this company? I have a good understanding of this company in my opinion. Okay. So that I'm, I'm okay with. How about management? Well, right now their management has been very focused on the brand itself. They're very focused on, on improving flavors. They're very focused on uh, not aggressively expanding, which I actually like. I don't like the idea that certain brands aggressively expand and then they can't hold on to it. So this management, at least from what I'm seeing, is very, very focused and, and they're not trying to spread too thin, so to speak. So I'm, I'm really liking that. They're communicating fairly well and they just, uh, you know, uh, add on several more key members once they became public. So management seems okay right now. I still need to dig in a little deeper on management, but it seems okay. Number three, does this have a competitive advantage in any type of market? Right now, at least with today's current health trend, it does. But like all trends, it's going to fall. Will they stay competitive once that happens? Or is this something that we just ride the wave and then exit off later on? I don't know. Okay. Have they talked about international expansion? They have not. It's all so far, I think, so far, U.S. and Canada. That, that's yeah, their main target audience right now. Those are key markets for the uh, health people who for the health demographic. Yeah, I do. I was noticing that Stevia came from South America mm -hmm. and there may be uh, some consciousness in Latin America about what stevia the sweetener is possibly um so yeah. that could be something they may want to look at possibly okay so competitive advantage hit and miss right now uh, i'm not too sure and the last thing at least based on charlie munger warren buff is does this have a good margin of safety or is this valued at an extreme discount to the current market three dollars a share ish four dollars a share ish you know roughly around 150 to 200 million dollars uh, overall company uh and they're growing is it worth that much i don't know and that that's something that i feel that might still be on more of a pricey side just based on their growth factor of one year and we're talking about a one-year growth factor uh just because they went public a year ago um, so it's really hard to say how fast they're actually growing, but based on product review, based on internet review, based on my own experience with the product. And I think Sean, you've tried it way back in the past. So yeah, they could have changed, they've, they've changed their formula. Uh, they have stated in their conference call that they've changed their formula. So with that being said, I, if I was to rate this company, I'm around six or seven out of 10. Like it, it's, it's okay, but it's not something that. Let me, let me throw in one more wrinkle. Okay. What do you think is the possibility that Coke or Pepsi could just do the same thing? Well, that, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that this doesn't really have that competitive. Once the big namers switch over to Stevia, the only way that that Zevia I can see, if I was the owner of this company, and I was running the company, the only way that I can distinguish myself from Coke and Pepsi and all the big names is if I drastically change my marketing tactics to social media. 
I have to go at social media. I have to go to the health conscious people, health conscious influencer, and just blast it there, right? As well as targeting children. I have to make this so that parents want to buy this for their kids. And right now, they're spread out so much right now. They're going adult line, kid line, energy line, all of that. That, And they're not really doing too much on social media. I mean, yeah, they have a Twitter account, but they're not in social media. And so attention span wise, I mean, Pepsi has already gone on board. Coca-Cola has already gone on board with social media and they haven't yet. So they're, they're still trying to figure out their, their training wheels right now. At least if I was the owner of the company, that's what I would try to do. Are they really doing that right now? I don't know. They're, they're currently paying off a lot of their initial public offers. Uh, so their funding for this year is fairly low. I don't know if they're going to do that in the future, but I think they should do something with social media uh, because their presence are, are, are non-existent right now. Interesting. We're going to end it here, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thank you everyone so much for watching until next time. Stay tuned for the next recording. Hope you guys enjoy and don't forget, don't trade a dollar for a penny. Take care, everyone. See ya.